0: Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, June the 28th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about former Senator Jeremy Hutchinson pleading guilty to federal tax and bribery charges, a North Carolina police officer being charged with misdemeanor battery for breaking the arms of a suspect while handcuffing him, and other odds and ends, including a new layer of government for oversight of sin agencies, Tom talk, Tom Cotton talking crazy, and... Maybe a little Democratic National Debates. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So, big news of the week, by far. Former Senator Jeremy Hutchinson reversed course and pleaded guilty to tax and bribery counts in federal court in Little Rock on Tuesday.
1: Well, I think, you know, reality finally bit him. And he realized, after his disastrous testimony in a in a hearing aimed at, at suppressing some evidence in one of the cases against him that he couldn't talk his way out of this one and they added additional pressure with a they had another case against him where they were prepared to show that he had taken essentially bribes to handle state legislation for a dentist looking for a change in state law And so you added that to the overwhelming testimony by his former girlfriend about how he spent campaign money improperly. And then the growing list of defendants who were prepared to testify in federal court in Missouri that preferred family health care apparently was just a giant criminal enterprise in which they bribed people, paid kickbacks to people, made illegal campaign contributions, and had a you know a baseball team worth of legislators on their payroll, including Jeremy Hutchinson. I think he finally realized if he had any hope of uh, having a manageable prison sentence, and he's looking at Jonathan Woods, who's serving, what, 18 years down in Texas right now, that may be cooperating, entering a negotiating plea, and giving what help he can give at this point might uh, get him slightly better treatment but i but he's still going to be a public official who took bribes when he's sentenced and uh most of the people i talk to think he's looking at five years but that's a long time i mean i i i I know that (coughs) his former girlfriend who uh set this case in motion has been commenting on facebook about the case and thinks he's getting off easy well, five years in prison. I mean, there, there are no country club prisons. Uh, it's a long time, but it's better than 18.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, so, of course, the presumption is that he is flipping on someone.
1: Well, and that we don't know. And, in fact, I, I talked to somebody in the law enforcement community. He's, he's entered a cooperation agreement. But until he actually cooperates, well, we don't know. I mean, you may remember that Mike Maggio entered one of these and then didn't and got burned for it, but then he reversed course too. I mean, I do think there is the question of what exactly does Jeremy Hutchinson have left to give? Although he was hip deep in a lot of corrupt activities, not much doubt about that. One of the you know one of the greatest things that has arisen out of developments this week is is the pretty clear path from Jeremy Hutchinson to this entire sprawling web of public corruption. I think we now know from the timeline, and and it was said in court that that uh, when Julie McGee went to the FBI in tow with Grand, Dan Greenberg to turn over a computer, that that began the investigation of Jeremy Hutchinson and that Jeremy Hutchinson, to save his neck, threw Mike O'Neill and John Woods, two former legislators under the bus. And, and there's some indication, certainly in the timeline, that that then led from Mike O'Neill and, and John Woods to Preferred Family health care cuz one of their scams in Northwest Arkansas was to send $400,000 to them. Well, that took them to Springfield, Missouri, which took them to an accountant, a lobbyist, two executives, a couple of lower-level executives, lobbyist Rusty Cranford, uh, two or three other legislators. I can't I can't even keep them all straight. There's so many of them. And so it might be that the heroine of the hour, the person that brought about the biggest scandal in in Arkansas political history, was a little old pizza restaurant waitress named Julie McGee. And 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 I and I have to throw in that she had called me at the time she was wondering what to do, and I and I said you need a lawyer, and say so, well who would I call? I said call Dan Greenberg. Jeremy don't get along. And Jeremy escorted her to the FBI, and the rest is history, so there's that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, moving on, a, And though I'm sure that there will be plenty more to talk about. Oh,
1: yeah, and, and, but your short question is, are there more to come? We don't know. We do know that in the most recent narrative that was filed in a superseding indictment in Missouri in the big bribery case, that there are references to unnamed legislators who participated in some of these schemes. Do they have enough information? Will Jeremy give them enough to provide some more indictments? I I don't know, but I think some people aren't sleeping as well now as they were.
0: Probably so. Moving on, a North Little Rock police officer was charged this week with misdemeanor battery more than six months after he broke the arms of a man while handcuffing him.
1: This is a pretty amazing case, and the police release video, which uh, they've provided to everybody now, the Democrat Gazette posted on YouTube, so you can watch it, and it's horrifying. This guy was stopped for a traffic offense. Now, it turned out that he had some other criminal charges, too, but, and this guy, John Crowner, I mean, just the way he handled him and handcuffing him, and then some other officers pitched in, I mean, you can almost hear the bones crack. He broke both his arms, all his in both arms, and at the time, they suspended the officer, but uh, the the prosecutor reviewed the case and said, this is a case that requires a criminal charge against the police officer. And prosecutors have to work with police forces. They they don't go out of their way to bring charges against police officers. And it took more than a month before this misdemeanor charge was filed. There's every indication that the city of North Little Rock resisted doing right on this cop. And, and I, I have some pretty good sources who say, He's known for being a tough street cop, which you can read however badly you want to read it. But what we learned today is it was just as bad as it looked. It turns out that uh, the city of North Little Rock, this guy uh, came in and said, listen, you know, he broke my arms. I mean, I got medical bills from this. And uh, they had a quick two-day negotiation and paid him thirty thousand dollars so that he wouldn't sue the city of North Little Rock. And the city attorney, of North Little Rock, is a very honest person. Amy Fields and I asked her why they didn't make a claim against Municipal League Insurance. She said, "Well, I don't think they would have paid. Acts like this are excluded." So you've got you've got some people in the city of Little Rock knowing they had, North they, Rock. I mean North Little Rock, that they had exposure here. They paid this guy thirty thousand dollars and. and and lickety split negotiations to go away, and the, the the big question pending for the police chief over there is why is this guy still on the police force, which he is, and he's he's on leave with pay. But you know, I, I think when you got a guy that breaks a guy's both his arms and faces a misdemeanor battery charge, class A misdemeanor, maybe he needs another line of work.
0: Yeah, it's really outrageous. Um, so let's do a, a, a few quick hits. The Department of Finance and Administration has confirmed that Governor Asha Hutchinson's transformation plan will install a new layer of supervision over the agencies that oversee alcohol, tobacco, and gambling. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, I thought this was funny that uh, the new efficient state government needs yet a new higher paid administrator. And it's interesting because they put tobacco control on, under DF&A, and so now we're going to have... One guy who happens to have been the tobacco control guy who's a grocery store owner without a college degree in charge of tobacco control, alcoholic beverage control, administration, medical marijuana permits, uh, tobacco regulation, alcohol regulation, and enforcement, and also uh, casino and and racetrack gambling. Uh, He has offered an explanation about how he can bring some new efficiencies and Operational things, to the agency, maybe so. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but it's kind of interesting because you've got a guy who's in the grocery store business and sells tobacco, regulating tobacco to start with, which he says that's good because he understands the business. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess he does. But uh, you also have now put him over a lawyer, a administrative arm of ABC, over a veteran law enforcement officer at ABC Enforcement. Now, I will say that the person in charge of the racing commission currently is probably overmatched in the day of new casino gambling and was just a political appointment in the first place, but at a time when really he didn't have much to regulate, casinos are going to be a new deal. So I don't know. It's uh, I mean, I think this is political backscratching, and that's the way it goes, but it, it's just one little sign that beware of people talking about government efficiencies, but in this case, it's uh, guys getting a 10% pay raise.
0: The governor appointed a woman this week to the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, which has long been the pretty much exclusive province of white guys.
1: It, it, it I mean, ninety nine point ninety nine percent rich old white guys. There was uh, a woman
0: who filled out a term. One,
1: one woman served two years from Stuttgart to complete a term for some for a seat that came open. Otherwise, in the entire history of Game and Fish, had never been a woman. Only been one or two black people. I, it, it is interesting too. The woman. Uh, amanda uh uh marie uh duramus <laughs> took me a second there i got there uh <clears throat> or was it Anne marie
0: duramus yeah that sounds more right i think it's i think it's, it's
1: marie duramus uh is only 27 years old and so not only is there a woman but there's a breath of youth which is something you don't see there very often and, you know, my my initial reaction was, first of all, her maiden name is Hastings. Her family is the wealthy Hastings family that own almost the entire east side of Little Rock. Industrial business, real estate, alcohol, various other stuff. And so, I mean, she's not exactly like somebody walked in off the street. Uh, but lots of other more progressive governors had a chance to put a woman on there, and they didn't. And so more power to Asa Hutchinson for that. Uh she claims – the news release was kind of funny that said she became a, a a duck hunter and a bass angler growing up on her family's southeast Arkansas farm. Well, her family may own a southeast Arkansas farm. I'm sure it's a swell one too, but she actually grew up in Sherrill Heights in Little Rock and went to Episcopal Collegiate School, so she, she didn't actually – right into town on a watermelon truck in in any event but seems like a nice person and again to her credit she issued a prepared statement that hit me right where I live she said this agency shouldn't just be about hooks and bullets it also should be about appreciating wildlife hiking getting out in the outdoors and I, I think the agency has had far too much emphasis on killing and hooking and not enough. The Texas Wildlife Agency, a Republican state through and through, has done a better job than Arkansas has, I think, in expanding its Natural Resources Agency out into bird watchers and things like that. So, so that's a good thing. And so, you know, it's and it, she seems like a perfectly lovely
0: person. Okay. Finally, Tom Cotton showed uh, for the umpteenth time. Can we say Dick <laughs> on podcast? <laughs> sure. I was going to say just how awful he is, but that's. Actually, more fitting, he tweeted uh, during the debate last night, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are helpfully reminding Americans that the Democrats were the party of slavery, secession, and segregation. By contrast, the Republican Party was founded on and has always stood for the neutral equality of all men and women. And, of course,
1: this is just such a disconnect. There's an element of truth in what this jackass says, but the situation is reversed. He now works in a party that, kill the Voting Rights Act through Supreme Court appointments, that opposes affirmative action, that opposes the Equal Rights Amendment, that opposes medical rights for women that has worked to suppress the vote of African Americans and young people and poor people, that has drawn up gerrymanders that have discriminated against black people. It is true that a century ago, Democrats were bad people on the race issue. Now republic- they've all become Republicans. I mean, Strom Thurmond led the way in converting the Republican Party. The Southern strategy was devised by Nixon to produce just what it, it has done, which is a, a race-baiting, misogynistic, utterly biased Republican party, and that's, that's who Trump appeals to. I mean, I mean Tom he's a dick. That's, I, I, there's really isn't any better way to put it, I think.
0: Yeah, well, he's
1: the meanest man in Senate. I mean, it is ama- even his colleagues agree that he's more despicable than Ted Cruz, and <laughs> that's despicable.
0: Yeah, well, lots of good throwing down on him last night, including some here at home. Angie Maxwell, the political science professor from the University of Arkansas, had a great takedown. There were oh no, I mean there. he just he
1: just got roasted on social media. But he, I mean, it presumes he has any sense of shame, which he clearly does not.
0: Yeah. So you watch the debates, I guess.
1: Oh, here here, here, and there. I mean, yeah, I mean, the big moment, and MSNBC knew it was coming, and it was scripted for Kamala Harris. And I think that the main point a lot of people made is Joe Biden should have known it was coming and wasn't very well prepared for it was on his past remarks about working with segregationists. And she talked about being a young girl, being bused across town to go to, to go to a school in California. And I mean, the general feeling was she knocked it out of the park. Her poll numbers are jumped up today. Biden didn't seem to get hurt that much. I think, I think there were two things. One is he just sounded a little bit like a doddering old man, which he is. And number two, I think the point wasn't that he hasn't done good things on the race issue he has but he seemed to be defending states rights which that's the terrible thing that's just nuts it's crazy and she pointed out that's what the federal government is about is providing protection for people that cities and states won't protect
0: yeah well uh Pete Buttigieg has had a pretty good uh, answer when when he was criticized he just said i yeah. hadn't got it done he said <laughs> I, mean, I, I screwed up yeah <laughs> yeah it's, i mean he well. hadn't
1: been able to integrate the police force and it's just he couldn't do it yeah
0: well maybe maybe a i mean a you path. know
1: they're always ex- i mean we're, we're, we're in a sensitive position we have we have failed and most of journalism has failed in integrating our workforces right and i'm not going to go through the list of reasons why we fail we've just failed yeah, and, and that's what Pete said, and I mean, what else can you say?
0: Sure, sure. All right. Well, anything else we need to talk about? I don't know. I, I think that pretty much covered. It. That's, let's let's that's move enough. on to endorsements.
1: I can't remember. Did did I get? Did I have an endorsement session? It was several weeks ago after I ate at Count Porcula. No, in the rail yard. No. Have you been
0: there? I have. It's it's quite good.
1: It's really good, but here's why it's really good. It is the only place in Arkansas that comes close to selling brisket that is like brisket is supposed to be. Yes. Texas-style brisket. And say what you will, Texas-style brisket is the sine qua non. And it's melting brisket. It's not tough. It's not dry. It's the way brisket is supposed to be. It is worth a trip there for that, if nothing else. But also great sausage.
0: I haven't had the sausage. Yeah, no, I I, I like it the, the rail yard. And I mean, it's a great, great place. the
1: rail yard's a great place. It's a nice setting, cold beer, all for the side dishes, good side dishes, good coleslaw, good potato salad. But I mean, I've been looking for good brisket in Arkansas all my life, and I finally found it.
0: Yeah, um, I am going to endorse the pleasure of doing a two screen experience when some major cultural events going on. So I got so, so much pleasure last night watching the debate and being on Twitter and reading people's jokes. There's so many good jokes last night. Yeah, no, Twitter's fun. But especially when something is going on and it's like, you know, occasionally really engaging but often really boring, having Twitter to fall back on is uh is a, is a great pleasure the the joke that I like the best was in a thread by uh, a New Yorker writer I've never even heard of uh, Osita Nuvanu. but he was talking about Mary Marion Williamson which you know many, she was many, well, she
1: was wacky
0: many of the most the, the best jokes came from her but somebody said. It's as if a bottle of Dr. Bronner's Peppermint Pure Castile Soap is running for president in describing Marianne Williams. I thought that was great. That's good. That's good. And she had some real Gilda, Gilda Radner vibes. She was, she was
1: uh, surely Saturday Night Live. Are they in season right now? No, I no think, it's too I think bad. they're
0: off. Kate, I think Kate McKinnon may have uh, done an impression of her. Or she was, Uncle I mean, it Colbert was like,
1: where, where was that from?
0: Yeah. But, it, it, it is pretty amazing that we have a self-help. Uh, guru, and a, uh, a former tech executive of, of like, n- not a big company at all who are polling as well or better than somebody like Kirsten Gillibrand, who's yeah, been around or, or Steve
1: Bullock, this great governor from Montana who couldn't even make the debate, you know? And yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of good people. I mean, right at the moment, I'm an Elizabeth Warren guy.
0: Yeah, I think me too. She's...
1: I mean, it'll be misogyny on parade if she's the nominee. And I, I'm sure Trump is lusting for it to be her. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, well, a long, long way to anyway, go. Anyway,
1: we do have a long way to go.
0: All right, well, thanks for listening. Subscribe uh, via <clears throat> iTunes or your favorite podcast spot, and we'll be back.
1: See ya.